Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, may we see you as a fortress. May we see you as a tower of strength. All of us need strength. All of us are looking for strength. All of us try to find strength in the things of this world. And they all always fall short. I pray that we would look to you and you alone as a fortress and our strength. And for those who might be here and reject that or who disbelieve or doubt that, I pray by the power of your spirit through your word, you'd melt their hearts and they would see what you want them to see and that is that is power, that is joy, that is supernatural peace, and that is healing. And they would find it in you and you alone, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, if you would, you can turn your Bible to uh, Genesis 1. First the year, beginning of the Bible. But also we're going to be in James Five, James chapter 5. But before we look at Genesis 1, a couple thoughts. Uh, again, I said that we are starting uh, this year uh, with a series on prayer. And each Sunday, uh, we're praying for specific things today and then the next four Sundays. So the next five Sundays, we'll be talking about prayer, but praying for specific things. Today is simply the power of prayer. Next Sunday, we're going to pray specifically for our city, for this metro area. Two weeks from today, as we baptize new believers, we are going to pray that more souls would be saved. After that Sunday, we're going to pray specifically for this church, Bellwether Church, and then we're going to close praying for church plants, pastors and leaders and missionaries around the world. Uh, These are things I believe should really be embedded in our prayer life as we always, and I'm guilty as charged, primarily lift up needs, emotional, physical. There's some other things we want to pray for too and keep those at the forefront. That souls would be saved, that God would move through us and that His kingdom would, would spread. Now I believe a person... With a strong prayer life, uh, there's just something about them that you can you can tell. It's it's kind of like uh, you can't describe it, but you know it when you see it. Uh, there's a phrase that I love and have used before to describe this, and we'll put it up on the screen and keep it up there for a bit. Call it serene confidence. Simple phrase, serene confidence. We should look at that. Visualize it. I hope, I pray you remember it. And I I really believe a person and a family who is praying together and really living in prayer has this serene confidence. Now I say that because it's really two words that shouldn't go together. Because serene or serenity leads me to think about peace. Like, you know, a peaceful, tranquil, serene person or place or life. And and confidence is more like, you know, taking the bull by the horns, boldness, 
courage. I do believe in supernatural courage. I believe anybody can have it. But I believe prayer fuses these two together. Where you have both this peace and serenity, and you have this boldness, courage, and confidence that are intertwined. It's like two cords of the same rope. Where you walk in serene confidence. Where you live in serene confidence. Come what may. I believe that happens through prayer, this exchange with you and your heavenly Father and King of all kings, Lord of all lords. And it can happen to anybody, regardless of birth, gifts, age. Anybody can have it because it comes through the Holy Spirit. Now, the other interesting thing is those who don't have this in life, serenity, peace, confidence, boldness, Because a lot of folks don't have, the majority of people in the world, in your world, in our world, don't have it. And the thing is, is when you don't have it, what I see often is they don't go to prayer to get it. Uh, They go to old school Rolodexes or contact lists on their iPhones or just our screens or we're just consuming entertainment without creating things and using our gifts from God. So when Most people don't have it. They still don't go to prayer to find it. Uh, We, me too, feel like other things will give us that. So like if if I'm in the right circles, you know, I'll have peace and confidence or I'll I'll get what I want. If I get to uh, this range of income uh, or profession uh, or even like, you know, I'm, I'm serving real good in the world or that I'll find that, and it's very, very rare. When people don't have it, that they would go to prayer to get it. So, so today, what I want to try to help us see is how we, through prayer, through God's Word, uh, can possess in, in our innermost hearts, souls, DNA, serene confidence. Because it can happen in a moment and you can walk in it for the rest of your life. And the thing I don't want is, is I see so many, and I'm tempted to fall into this trap of this rat race of, you know, got to do this, got to do that, got to live this way. And it's like we're hamsters on a wheel. Sorry, continue to use rodents as examples. Forgive me of that. But, can't think. but we continue to live this way, and yet there's still this void. Still this void. So... Serene confidence. First, let me focus on serenity, peace. Because a lot of us aren't at peace. And uh, let me ask this question. I'm asking questions today. I don't know if uh, I'm going to engage you a little bit later on. So just be wary. I'm going to ask you all a question. Hopefully somebody will stand and say something. But I want this. How many of y'all struggle, I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand, struggle with like self-image? Thank you, Kenneth. Okay, self Thank you. Hands pop up. Uh, looks, dare I say weight, okay, um, athletic ability, um, mental faculties, you know, how we're perceived, what we say. I mean, a big part of our waking life is thinking about how we look and how we come across to our peers. Amen? Or maybe I'm off. Amen, thanks. Okay, a few of you at least. A big part, we... We wrestle with self-image. I wish I looked like this. 
I wish I weighed this, you know, New Year. I wish I uh, played like this. I wish I spoke like this. I wish I sang it all. I wish, I wish, I wish I was like this way, okay? And the wisdom of God, but also the truth of God's word. I always say it like this. There are no accidents in Christianity. So if you become a Christian, it's not just you are the way you are. God made you the way you are for great purposes for this life and the life to come. And there are no accidents, therefore, in your life. In how he made you, how he created you. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it in scripture. That's when we go to Genesis 1. It's one of my favorite, favorite passages, a couple of verses in all the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. I think verse 27 through 28 up on the screen. I want to tack on verse 26. This is in creation. So God's created everything, world, and then he's like, okay, okay, y'all. You know, I mean, you just got, got to believe that the Lord was saying y'all, Father, Son, Spirit here, okay? Hi, right, y'all. Let us, verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the, fle- over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Stop right there. Uh, This is uh, called, uh, by a lot of uh, preachers, pastors, theologians, uh, leaders in the church throughout history, the creation mandate. I love that. There's a mandate that God has on our life. A mandate that you have. And, And first it tells us that we are made, you are made perfect. And, and a lot of us just do not believe. A lot of y'all are like, oh, that's nice to hear. But I'm going to walk out of here. And I'm going to continue to think as I've been thinking, maybe my whole life. Or maybe I'm really hitting January blues like really, really hard now. Because, you know, 105.1 is no longer playing Christmas music. And like, I know. And like... I'm arguing with family members about trying to keep, you know, trees up, okay? And like, you know, I'm just in, you know, life's still the same as it was, you know, November 1. And it, you know, still there as I preach about an Advent. The truth from December to January to June, year round, every year, we're made in the image of God. You're made perfect. And whether you are Christian or not, There is this spark of the divine, that is of God, in each of your lives, in each of our lives. Now, I believe God lights a fire in you and you become a Christian, and we hope and pray that we as a church can grow that fire in you. But even if you're not a Christian, there is this spark of the divine that's there, waiting to be lit up. You're made perfect. There are no accidents in you. I was reading Matthew 10, 
our Rise with God reading today, Matthew 10.30. God knows the hairs on your head, or God knows the lack of hairs on your head. You know, me too, okay? But God knows, and there are no accidents in our lives. And it says it, you know, he created man, male, female, in his own image. And then, he said this, so, you know, regardless of, of looks, height, jump shot, hitting left-handed or right-handed, you know, ability, man, you're ma- God made you as he wanted to make you. And you can have peace in that. He made you good. And man, I really, so many people, both from junior high to like, you know, the adult version of high school, struggle with self-image, especially this time of year. God made you good. Now, I think, look, I think we should live healthy lives, and some of us need to hit the treadmill more than others for our health and hearts, okay? But, like, God made you good. You need to hear that. In His image, the image of God, He created male and female. And then, let me tack on this creation mandate. mandate. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion. He talks about animals. A lot of folks call this, I love this word, that we were created to create. I love that. We're created to create. You are created to create. And often all of us fall into, you know, we consume so much more than we create. Some of you are so gifted, you should be writing songs instead of, no offense, Amy, and still listening to more music. Did not plan that. But some of you should be gifted that you should be writing music instead of just consuming music. Some of you should be writing devotions instead of always reading devotions. We are consumers, but we're creators. God made you to create. And some of you are like, man, you know, I ain't no artist. You know, I mean, music or literature or or film or that's not me. You know, I'm a businessman. I'm practical. Hey, we create conversations. We create meetings. We create how to express ourselves. We create plans. We create goals. We're, We're creators. And God wants to harness our gifts to be used for His glory and our joy. When we use His gifts that He gives for His glory, we get the joy. You ever felt like it's like, man, it's just, it's just clicking. That's what He wants. Created to create. C.S. Lewis had this uh, great quote, love it. He said, we don't need more Christians. We don't need more Christian stories. We need more Christians telling stories. Because see, when Christians tell stories, the gospel infuses how you speak it, how you say it, what you say, the story you tell. You know, for him, you know, resulted in what I love, Chronicles of Narnia. For his buddy, Tolkien, anybody like Lord of the Rings here? I know you do, Palmer, I know you do. Lord of the Rings, like, you know, they, they created worlds. You're like, man, I can't do that. We can all create something, and you're given this mandate to create. So, serenity, you want serenity, you want peace in your life? You're made perfect. God has a great plan for you. God's given you many gifts to be used, to create in your time. Now let's shift gears to confidence. Like how would we get confidence? Confidence, I think of of boldness. I think of courage. I think, you know, yeah, I I can do this for the Lord. I can create for the Lord or I can go for the Lord. And some of you are like, man, I have confidence, but... Some of us really don't have, like, supernatural confidence. Some of us don't. Like, oh, 
you're up there preaching, or this person's leading a small group, or, or this person's leading, I can't do that, or, or this person's going to me, I can't do that, or, you know, it's great. You, this person's serving you, I can't do that. I mean, I, I'm good, hey, I'm here, can you like cut it out, I'm taking a step. That's great. Now we take another step. And it does, it does happen when there's this confidence, this courage. So I want to, um, you can turn to James 5, before we look at that, we'll come down here, so I'm going to ask you all a question which means I'd love for a few people to respond, maybe three, not Neil, because he always responds, okay? Um, anyway, so I want, we love Neil. We love, we love Neil. Thanks. Uh, but he, he's always going to respond. Okay, Sunday school story, Bible story, like Old Testament or New, like big God in the Bible. What's your favorite story that you grew up with? Um, you know, anything, Old Testament, New, favorite, favorite story just comes to you. Let me give you an example. For me, it's David and Goliath. So anyway, but there's an example. Who else? Are you just messing with your hair or did you raise your hand? Huh? Oh, was it? That's yours too? Okay. So David and Goliath. got two David and Goliaths. Anybody else? Story of Ruth. Okay. Story of Ruth. Uh, story of Ruth. God uses a woman to change a family's life and also bring forth David and ultimately bring forth Jesus, someone who was not a believer at the time, right? Okay. There you go. So Ruth, anybody else? David's mighty men that surrounded David, that went to war with David. You know, I love David because it's like, you know, watching Braveheart, you know, over and over again. (laughs) And some R-rated, you know, uh, you know, sex thrillers too. Anyway, I mean, it's true. I mean, it is. David, Bathsheba. Read the Bible, okay? Anything else? It's fine. What about, yes, ma'am, What's that? Noah and the ark. Noah and the ark. Uh, thank you for saying that to, to Leslie because, I mean, you think about the flood and, you know, God just, you know, wiped, you know, said, I'm going to wipe the face of the earth. Oh, I'm going to kill everybody. Except you, Noah, you know, love you and save you. Pretty much. And what about Jonah? Speaking of water. I love jo- Jonah. Three days in the whale. And these, these are powerful things. Powerful works of God. One more. Joseph, not, not Christmas Joseph, right? Joseph, who was sold to slavery. They're like, he's, we're done with him. And yet the Lord uses him. He becomes the number two official in the mightiest empire of the world. And God uses him again for his glory. Mighty, mighty things uh, that happen in the Bible through people, through human beings, whom God used. We're talking confidence, how to get confidence. So now let's go to, let's go to James 5. James 5 and read verse, uh, read verse 16 through 18. Okay? Look at this. This is, a, this is a powerful couple verses here for our lives. James writes, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was, I want you to look at this, a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Now, often we will look at that verse or that passage, and I've used it before too, Talking about the power of prayer, which is true. I want to key in on something different 
today that phrase, a man with a nature like ours. That's James saying, Elijah was like y'all. Elijah was like you. My point, if you don't connect, is that Elijah was praying that it would not rain, and it didn't rain, and then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, the earth bore its fruit. What I'm saying is that many of us and many of our churches lack the confidence to see a big, bold, world-changing God stopping rain, starting rain, personally or globally, and it is here in God's Word, and we can have it in prayer because we are men and women with a nature like these heroes, Elijah, Noah, David, Ruth. These were human beings too, yet they had a big belief that led to a big contact with God through prayer. And God gave them this peace and serenity, this confidence and courage and boldness to believe in big things. And so I ask all of us, I ask myself, I ask you, like, what are you believing that God would do for you, for us, in prayer? When was that belief quenched? And if it's never yet begun or grown, maybe today might be the day that it begins. Powerful things, big things, world-changing, life-changing things, personally and globally. Let, let me be honest. I mean, the reason that God led me this... We, we've forgotten this. We as Christians personally, we as a church, many churches, the church in America... I mean, we're worried about, you know, worried about these cultural things. And then you can look in the Bible and like, there's a flood. I'm changing, changing the world, starting over. You can look in Revelation 18. All the armies against Jesus line up. Jesus come down. It's done just like that in a second. Believe that's literal. Believe that's true. The Bible speaks of Big things, powerful things, supernatural things. And then it says, and these are people just like you. So where, therefore, is our faith? So my challenge for us is, is just saying, like, what do you believe in? Or do, do we really believe? Or are we just playing church? Because I've never been down to play church. Y'all that know me, really know me, know that's my deal. And I... I do not want to play like church. Now we've got to be able to like play church. Let's do our thing. I want to believe in, I want to radically believe that, man, God could use Bellwether to change the world in our time. God could use Bellwether to Christianize, not a very political statement, Christianize the world in our time. God could use us to save souls, both in Northeast Jackson, to Rankin County, to Dubai, to India, to wherever. God could use you to meet your neighbor. God could use you as you see there are no accents of Christianity. Like, well, why did this person just come into my life? Well, maybe God wants me to just, I don't know, be kind to them to begin with and then maybe talk to them about why I believe what I believe. Like, we don't want to play church here. 
We want to, and if it's nobody else, it's just me. And Neil's nodding his head. But we believe, he is, he's nodding his head. Believe in big things because the Bible says, commands, believe in big things. And as we see the Bible, then we see a big God and we see lives change. So, so like a couple of things for me like that I'm praying for is, I know it's simple, but I'm praying like everybody reads the same passage in the Bible all year long. Wow, shocker. Can we do that? But I'm praying for that. Because I know a lot of our schedules. And I know, we're like, man, I can squeeze in 10 or 12 minutes here, but hey, let me get to my iPhone and at least check the news or check who texted me last night, and I'll give 40 minutes there. And hey, guilty as charged there, okay? Hey, I'm praying. We're also starting, I said, Rise, the guy was starting this Love Your Neighbor year-long campaign. That we, Our mission focus here is right here. Ground zero, the homes, the neighborhoods right around here. And we're going to be sharing things that we can love our neighbors more and more. I talk about, talked about this for a year now, raise more. Could we raise a million dollars? Of course we could. We, we could easy. Easy. I don't know about that. No, we could. God can do that. Right, what's it for? Oh, it's for here. Yeah, it's for this church. But half of that would go for the kingdom all over the world. And you know, maybe that's even too small. You're like, there he goes again, crazy. No, I mean, seriously, each year should be more and more and more. We talked about this in my radical group. God continually pushes us out. You look at Acts 1, you look at Acts 2. So, like, safe and comfortable and we're good is like, you don't really find that in the Bible. Anywhere. Last thing I would say, and I can't really get into this, but it's a, man, I was reading Matthew 10 this morning. In the Bible reading, in the rise of God. Man, it's a powerful chapter. I mean, start with rise. I mean, it's a challenging chapter too. It says some stuff that really made me uncomfortable, but that was truth. It's all about Jesus sending the disciples. So just to paraphrase, beginning of Matthew 10, he chooses the disciples. Then he sends them. Then he says, prepare to be rejected. Prepare to be persecuted. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to give you every word you need to say. Oh, and by the way, there's nothing you need to fear. I love that. He's sending them. He's like, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be persecuted. But, oh, and then he talks about, you know, knowing the hairs on our head. Then he says, he says, do not fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill both body and soul. Then he says, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He even says, your enemies will be in your own household. Then he says, and it keeps getting better. He says, if you love your mom and dad more than me, you're not worthy of me. Then he says, if you love your children more than me, you're not worthy of me. I mean, I'm like, I thought I've read Matthew 10 over and over again, but I really like focused on it. And then he says, and this is the word we always can quote. We forget the rest. But then he says, if you want to find your life or save your life, you lose it for my sake. And that's serene confidence is, is simply following Jesus. Simply following Jesus. And, and for some of y'all, that means like where you are in your Christian walk, God's calling you to take a bigger, bolder step with your gifts, your talents, what God has given you this year. With others of you, it's simply calling you, and I do believe this, to take a small step. To say, hey, I want to plant here. I want to, I want to land here. I just want to start reading my Bible daily. 
I just want to be involved here. But it does boil down to following Jesus. And Jesus says, if you want to save your life, and all of us are looking to save our life, find meaning and purpose, he says, you'll give up all you are and everything you have for me. And you'll find it. So my prayer is in God's word, in salvation, new baptisms, in this church, we see and we believe and we pray like big things. Some of you are like, man, I can never do it. We pray big things. And it'll happen. It can happen right now with a step, small or significant. And God is calling you to take, regardless where you are, you're getting called to take a step. No better time, new year. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word shows not just, uh, not just, uh, not just smallness, not just, not just a nice life. It shows a changed life that is used for God to change the world. May we be in your life more and more this year. May we pray and keep praying both on the peak moments of the year and in the valleys of the year that we see a big God and that we don't get caught up in just who we are or what we've got. But what is to come and where you're leading us. And you are leading us into your word, into these houses and streets, into the world. Lord, pray that we all take a step right now. In Jesus' name, amen.